0: Welcome to another episode of Studies and Empathy, a Cleveland Clinic podcast exploring empathy and patient experience. I'm your host, Steph Bear, Senior Director of the Office of Patient Experience here at the Cleveland Clinic in Cleveland, Ohio. And I'm very pleased to have with me today, Yamilith Gonzalez and Irma Nella Mohammedi. Yami Nella, welcome to Studies and Empathy. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us. Yami is our Cleveland Clinic Clinical Transformation Intern. She's a graduate student at the University of Florida and has a passion for improving patient access and the quality of healthcare. And Nella's an intern with our Strategic Workforce Planning Team. She's a graduate student at the Ohio State University (laughs) and is motivated to develop her knowledge of healthcare management and address health disparities within underrepresented communities. How are you guys good thank you how are you doing today good thanks for sticking with us throughout the entire internship <laughs> let alone being dragged into a podcast yeah. <laughs> no it's our privilege to be here well this is very exciting to talk to you when we think about a place like the cleveland clinic and, and how we're an academic medical center and, and teaching and mm-hmm. learning is mm-hmm. part of who we are i think it's so important that we also ask our students in all realms, not just our residents or our nursing students, but mm-hmm. in all realms, how we're doing and what you've learned from us and what we can do better. So mm-hmm. this is going to be a great conversation for me. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so much again. Yeah, I want to start off right away, by getting to know you better in your healthcare capacity. So we'll take it one by one and we'll go with Yami. What drove you to healthcare?
1: Yeah. So Nella and I both have very similar stories. We both came from immigrant families, and I migrated here at the age of two, and Nella came at the age of six. Um, I was born in Mexico, and my parents didn't really know English very well growing up, and I kind of stepped into that role of being their translator and their guide, so I really navigated them through a lot of aspects of life, but I was there often in, like, healthcare visits. So not even just primary care, but those emergency situations that do come up in life. And from a young age, I kind of saw the opportunity for healthcare to improve. My family and I saw a lot of barriers to access. Uh, it's it wasn't just a language barrier to it was also like cultural health literacy. And so Knowing that I was going into grad school for my master's in health administration, I'm always out here looking at, looking for ways to remove those barriers, to better give care to underserved populations. And I think later in life, too, I will probably work for an organization to help promote health literacy in our young young adults and our kids in public schools. And I think that's really important. And I see a need for that.
0: I love um, your your story and that you shared with me so early on. So thank you for sharing it again today. Mm -hmm. One of the things I learned from you this summer was to think differently about reaching all populations. In fact, even on this very podcast, in the last few months, we've talked to folks that are outside of our traditional realm. And we talked to, for instance, Monica Ramirez, who is an advocate for migrant workers. And I Mm -hmm. want to credit you with pushing me to think differently and to engage in different conversations. So this is where our interns are just so important in so many ways.
1: Yeah. No. And I think the clinic has done a great job too with being an advocate for patients who otherwise wouldn't have a voice or feel confident in sharing their voice. So I've seen that a lot during this internship.
0: That's nice to hear.
1: Nella, what drove you to healthcare? Yeah, of course, as Yami
2: mentioned very similarly, we both come from uh, immigrant backgrounds. I moved to the United States at the age of six with my family from Albania and been in Cleveland ever since. And specifically what it was for me was being a patient here at the Cleveland Clinic at the age of 11, Um, going through a life-threatening surgery really gave me a different aspect of healthcare. And from that, I thought I wanted to be a nurse originally, <laughs> realized I can't stand blood. So that was not the route for me. But I still loved the field of healthcare, and helping patients and being an advocate for them, just like they were for me. And my parents still don't know English. So I'm always there being an advocate for them. And for me, um, still sticking around in the healthcare field in the business end of things, I, I want to make it available to underserved communities that the resources that they have that are there for them and getting them access sometimes the access is there but they don't know that it's there similarly to my family um, they didn't have insurance at the time that i was hospitalized and in addition to the fear of losing a child, they had the fear of this huge hospital bill. And so um, having the advocates here at the clinic ensuring us that we there was something for us and they would help us was immaculate. And I see my future in trying to pr- minimize these hardships that communities of the underserved have experienced and trying to prevent this from happening in the future.
0: It's impressive that you have similar stories as, mm-hmm. as children that had to be advocates for your parents, mm-hmm. but it's so impressive to me that you came out of that background wanting to help others. So thank you both for entering healthcare and I'm <laughs> excited to see what the future brings if this is what's coming. Um I want to start with what you learned from the Cleveland Clinic. What what exposure did you get that you wouldn't get in a traditional classroom? What did you learn while you were here let's start with nella yeah sure um i've had the privilege to be
2: here uh, a few summers ago as well so this is my third time coming back and each time i learned something new and experienced something that i wouldn't have, have experienced if it wasn't being for this specific position um in terms of what i did this summer i did so many amazing things having one-on-one chats with leaders all across the organization and for them to be so open to wanting to talk to me just an intern is amazing um in addition to great shadowing experiences. I got to go and visit the mentor site uh, hospital building. Um, It was so cool getting to see a hospital being built from zero to one day, everything being there. And but the most outstanding for me would be getting to witness a heart surgery and shadowing and sitting in um, or standing in on one of the world's greatest hospitals. Within the vascular well,
0: you just said to me you can't handle blood, and you watched yeah. a heart surgery. <laughs> yes, Did well, pass
2: out. No, surprisingly, I was really worried of that, but it was at an angle where I saw a little bit, but not everything. Okay, so it was the perfect balance of seeing something, but not everything, where I would have to pass out.
0: That's a really cool experience, yeah. I'm glad, and real wide breadth of things you got to see. Yeah, That's yeah, great, yeah. Thank you.
2: It was truly something that I wouldn't have been able to do if I wasn't in this um, internship. Truly, I've been here two summers uh, as well, like I mentioned, and the summer, I got more autonomy and, and more exposure to these things that one day I hope to be involved in, in, in some different realms.
0: Very cool. Yami,
1: did you see anything you wouldn't see in a classroom? Oh my gosh, so many things. So with Clinical Transformation, it's a wide institute and it's enterprise wide. So there was...
0: What's in Clinical Transformation? Because it's such a weird name, right? Yeah,
1: right. So there's a lot of departments underneath it and that's patient experience, the Budsmans under there, uh, continuous improvement. We even have access to care under Clinical Transformation. We have strategy. Oh, there was a lot. And I got exposure to almost every single department doing a project or two in each one. And I think what I learned that I couldn't have learned in the classroom is the magnitude of the work that we do and how impactful it is, even down to just making sure that our objectives and key results are aligned across all teams is really important because if we don't, if we're not all on the same page, then our mission isn't going forward. So getting to see the background works of how our senior directors, our directors, our program managers are all working for common objectives and common goals was really impactful. And being part of quantifying those qualitative measures was a great experience.
0: That's so cool. And it's so true in in healthcare, there's such a, a, difference of specialty mm-hmm. that if you you can get very siloed and you can get very buried in your own work and and not be able to look at the whole right. so those objectives those key results that north star that our organization uses to say this is what matters most and if we all focus mm-hmm. on these things the rest will follow i'm so pleased to hear that you saw that in our culture because we mm-hmm. we hope that's how we make decisions and that's yep. really neat to
1: have it reflected back it really is and i think One of the most fascinating ones that I got to see that was a real enterprise initiative was the plan of care visits and how Dr. Mahalovich has pushed that to be on all of our objective and key results and I got to even see how the patients are responding. So I followed one of our program managers, Gretchen around, and we spoke to patients and asking them if these plan of care visits are occurring. The plan of care visits are when the
0: nurse, the doctor, the patient or the patient's family engage together. Mm -hmm. in what's the plan for today?
1: Yeah, and it's really important too because they discuss discharge. And so making sure everyone's on the same page and making sure that we reduce their length of stay. So, and that's also going to lead to a reduction in their medical bills. And I think that was something really encouraging to see how the team, teams of teams really work.
0: That's great. And I love that we didn't just say this is our goal for the organization, but we threw you out there and let you see if it's in action and then Mm -hmm. talk to
1: patients. That's so cool. Yeah, that was the best part. I got to speak to a lot of patients. I didn't think with the 30,000 foot view that I would, and I got to speak to patients about every week in one form or another. We build on that for a second. You,
0: you got a chance to talk to patients. Mm-hmm. And I know that we had a chance to work together a lot, which I've really enjoyed. Um, one of the things, one of the hallmarks of our organization, one of our values is empathy. Right. When you talk to patients, when you talk to our caregivers, when you see us in action, how does empathy come into play? Do you, What have you discovered about empathy, about how the Cleveland Clinic approaches it? Is it present? What's your observation?
1: Oh, it's it's most definitely present. Even with people that I walk by in the elevator or we're in the elevator together, I ask them how their day has been and ask them how their care has been and all the time. I get reviews back. Oh, everyone's so nice. Everyone here is so empathetic. Everyone cares. And that is seen. So when, even when i talked to the bedside caregivers, they too had such a gentle grace when approaching patients. They were there, even though they are understaffed because of the current conditions, they were present. And Getting to be a part of also the Studies in Empathy podcast is being one of my projects. Hearing other caregivers outside of this organization really pushing empathy is amazing. It gives me hope that that's a culture that we're all striving for in healthcare.
0: I love that you you see it that it's present, and you mentioned how globally we're just understaffed right now in healthcare. Mm-hmm. And I think empathy is such an important thing to not lose sight of because empathy reminds you of your why yeah, and it can be a panacea to burnout. It, it can be what you can protect yourself with. If you can remember the why yeah, when you have hard days, cause we're all gonna have hard days, but I, I'm very happy that you saw caring in action.
1: Mm-hmm. I did. I was really excited just to speak to the caregivers too. And like makes and like learning their whys and what makes them get out of bed and come to work. That was a great part. Nella, in strategic
0: workforce, First of all, maybe you can tell me a little bit more about what that even is, and then did empathy come up? Did you see empathy in action? Yeah, of course. So strategic workforce is
2: a brand new department that has been around only for one month. We ha- or not one month, I'm sorry, one year. One year though,
0: is not very long either.
2: Uh, yeah. uh, we had our uh, one year anniversary a few months back and it was created um, like you mentioned for the staffing issues that we we're going on. There's that are going on. There's so many challenging forces out there. We don't have enough staffing or the capacity. And so strategic workforce is. there to uh, create the capacity and capabilities and to forecast the staffing needs of the future. So instead of reacting to a problem, we are um, handling it right now in the know for the future. And how I witnessed empathy is, since we're still on the preliminary engagements of trying to bring this department up, uh, I didn't get to see any f- uh, face-to-face empathy, but I got to go to leadership rounding, another experience because of this internship. Uh, went to leadership rounding um, at Hillcrest Hospital with a few other leaders, and where we went to the patient's bedside, um, talked to two to three patients, so uh, within... An hour or so, and um, it was great to be able to ask them, "How are you doing? How is your care been? What can we do to alleviate any of your pain?" And I think uh, um, empathy can be different whether we're feeling the joy of others or the pain. And the fact that the clinic, their leaders, take the time and block their calendars to go and talk to these patients just goes to show their dedication and to empathize with the patient.
0: That's. Awesome. I'm, thank you for participating in Leadership Round. Yeah. It's such an important program where our, our leaders talk to our caregivers and mm-hmm. our patients about how their days are. Mm-hmm. So we know what we can do to make things better. And I'd argue that even the existence of your department in the last year is empathy in action because it, it is saying we don't want to mm-hmm. have to react right. on the backs of people, we wanna get ahead of it. Mm-hmm. And empathy to caregivers is mm-hmm. so important right now. For sure. Um, I've seen within my team and
2: how they work together in trying to always think about the patient. Um, during our day-to-day work, you might not think about the patient as much, but we always try to relate it back to the patient. So if we take a certain action, how will this affect the patient at the end of the day? I think that's so important and showing our empathy through that as the you can get lost in this big organization and about your mission and how it aligns with your personal goals. So, um, personally, I always try to relate it back as what does the patient want at the end of the day? And how is this going to affect them?
0: Yeah, we we like to say patients first, caregivers always. Exactly. If we can think of what patients need first and always think about how our caregivers can be supported Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. make that happen. It it really is how we can get through it.
2: For sure. I can completely resonate with that.
0: Yay. Now I have to say, when I, when I talk to both of you, I'm feeling my age and I'm feeling like I'm this old (laughs) baby going cool. No. Um, But I'm just buoyed by your enthusiasm. So this is exciting. Mm -hmm. And I wanna steal a little bit more of that. Can you tell me what your hopes are for healthcare? Uh, What do you see as someone entering the field that you're hopeful about?
2: Yeah. for me personally, like I mentioned earlier, I want to educate underserved communities and making them aware of, of the resources available for them. And as an up and coming um, administrator, or early careerist in this uh, great field, I want to dedicate uh, my knowledge and develop the proper training so that one day minimizing these hardships and lessening the burden of these um, underrepresented communities and making them feel seen and Uh, bringing them in the loop, whether they speak English or they don't, um, removing those barriers and making it possible for them is my biggest goal within
0: my career. It gives me hope too. I love this.
1: I think I've seen a lot of technological improvements and that gives me hope. I see uh, this technology being formed to help patients with these barriers. For example, the iPads, having interpreters come in through the iPad because we have, again, a shortage and having interpreters there in the room through a screen is better than not having anything at all. So I am really hopeful for that, for those technological advances, but also being with these leaders every day at the clinic has made me hopeful because I see how much they care and I see how much the patient is put at the center of their whys, and I think not just for us coming into this field, but the people who have been in it for a long time, who have seen what happens during a pandemic and seeing that they're not losing sight of not just the patients, but also the caregivers, that they care about those at the front lines who are doing the work and how we can support each other during these really difficult times gives me a lot of hope. Mm. Me too.
0: And you know, there's an old adage, never waste a crisis. So <laughs> we, we certainly have learned in the technology realm, how we can actually leverage technology, like the mm-hmm. iPads in good ways Yes, that I think we may have missed had there not been this absolute need mm-hmm. to respond differently. So I think that's a really hopeful perspective of what's been a tough time. Yeah. And I will always agree with you that the ability of people to care that, that humanity It Mm -hmm. it is always keeping me going it's amazing i agree what we're not perfect no one is (laughs) what surprised you that you thought oh a big hospital i'm surprised a little
1: bit by this what surprised me was how long it takes to get some things done yeah right because there are so many different levels of a organization that you have to get through to get things approved It it kind of deters someone sometimes where, oh, I want this project to be done now. I think it's going to be really impactful right now, but you have to wait months, several weeks to hear back and get that approval. So that was just really surprising to me. That is.
0: There's a lot of stakeholders, especially as organizations get bigger, it's harder to be nimble. Mm -hmm. I think in COVID, we learned ways to be more nimble than we ever were before, but it certainly has, it takes time to get things done. That is a, a great observation.
2: For me, I would say it was more so in my line of work. My previous uh, internships were very operations heavy, and now I had to shift my brain to more so of a strategic end of things. And that was definitely an adjustment Mm -hmm. for me. I was used to, here's the problem statement. You Mm -hmm. have two weeks to do it. Here are some guidelines, go ahead. Whereas now we're looking at emerging technologies in the healthcare field and to improve our patient care what can we implement within the next five to 10 years or even 15 years? Go ahead and no deadlines, no nothing. So to me, it was a different way to handle things. And so I had to find ways to narrow my scope and within my research and just shift that mindset of in the future or not now.
0: That's great. So I I love that you have both sides of the coin too in your surprises where in one hand, it's how do we get tactics executed now? Mm -hmm. On the other hand, why we need to think about it and how Mm -hmm. we won't see it for a bit that's fascinating guys (laughs) thanks for sharing that of course course. uh i want to ask though from your perspectives what can we all do to show more support for people like you that are just entering the field
1: oh mentorship is amazing we have been privileged in. It was a formal system, formal way of setting up mentors, and that has been a real, real relief because we have that safe space that we can go to and ask those questions that you might be nervous asking a senior director or an executive director. So we have those safe spaces for us to grow and being patient with us, I think, Mm -hmm. (laughs) is something huge. We don't know everything and we'll get back to you with the information that we need. And just having that patience for us to learn and be able to execute it in a timely manner is important. Now otherwise I can show support
0: for people.
2: Yeah, Um, I would have to agree with the mentorship. I wish there was something better than that. But there's not uh, for me. The mentorship that I have received have structured my work and life in so many different areas. And you truly feel appreciated by your mentor. What does a mentor look like? What do do they do? So um, when I envision a mentor, it's someone as a director or a preceptor, someone that's has is in a little bit of a higher position, has had more work experience under their belt. They've experienced the good, the bad, and the everything in between. So they could offer you advice on the current state of what you're going through. And for me, I always reach out to my mentor um, for, little project things or how to deal with the politics in this fun world or just anything that i may be struggling with and need that advice um, they are there for you and it's such an honor to um, be given a mentor i know sometimes you don't have the ability to give be given a formal mentor and how i approach this is just to network as much as possible and once you see that connection with the different leaders you have the ability to further continue that relationship that will um, last into an, a great mentorship. And for me, I, without the, my mentors in my life, I would not be where I am right now. And that's a hundred percent.
0: Oh, well, that speaks to the power of, of mentoring. And it mm-hmm. makes me want to make sure that I'm showing up for others too. Cause mm-hmm. I also had some really strong mentors that mm-hmm. helped me early on as well.
1: Yeah. It's so important when someone pours into you mm-hmm. and I think you can see the the good side effects of it. <laughs> a
0: great phrase. It pours into you. It's, I
1: love that. Before we end, what did
0: I not ask you? What do you want to make sure that uh, we take away from your time at the Cleveland Clinic? Any, any last observations or any things that you will be taking away?
1: I think realizing the title of someone, the position of someone shouldn't make you intimidated or fearful of approaching them, I think you need to realize that these are people too and that they care. (laughs) They're not their positions. They're not their title. There's people behind that position and behind that title. And taking that away, I think I feel more confident when approaching leadership about some concerns. And I might see safety concerns, patient concerns, and knowing that they're going to listen to me, that they're going to hear. And even though they might not be able to do something immediately, they will consider it the next time something happens, or there's an issue like that, that comes up in the future.
2: Yeah, I think Yami put it in such a great way. Um, For me, one of my most um, impact, uh, impactful key takeaways from the summer have been to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. you are in this such in this big organization where there's going to be times where you're not going to be comfortable and you in (laughs) order to continue your development, you have to be placed in those um, intense situations. And that's where you you grow. I've I've seen that um, when i am placed in uh, meetings where I don't know everything that's going on, that's how I um, continue my development even further, I tend to pay more attention and my uh, critical thinking skills are put in right away. And I think it's, it's really crucial. I know we all want to be in a nice, safe environment and not have to worry about problems or mm-hmm. anything where it challenges us. But I think um, once you're challenged, that is where you're growing and learning to the best of your abilities.
1: Mm. Well put.
0: You guys are wise beyond <laughs> your years. <This> is awesome.
1: <laughs> Thank you. And I'll tell
0: you this conversation where you, you talked about caring and the importance of showing up and listening. Those are empathetic qualities. So that's what empathy is. So if you are what's coming and and how our future looks and who's gonna lead us next, I feel really, really happy that empathy will be part of that too. So thank you both for joining us today. Great, great conversation. Thank you, Steph. Thank you so much for having us. This concludes the Studies in Empathy podcast. You can find additional podcast episodes on our website, my.clevelandclinic.org forward slash podcast subscribe to the studies and empathy podcast on itunes google play soundcloud stitcher or wherever you get your podcast thank you for listening join us again soon